God is good, amen. Father, we do, uh, Lord, I just simply say thank you, the Lord. Father, you are a good God. Lord, you work in ways unimaginable, dear. Your mercy is from everlasting to everlasting, dear Lord. And your truth endures to all generations. Father, I just simply say thank you for saving my soul, dear Lord. Lord, why you would choose people like us, Lord, I don't know, dear Lord Jesus, but you did. And I say thank you, dear Lord. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that you give to us each and every day. And Father, when we don't deserve it, dear Lord, and Father, you were long-suffering with us. Some of us, dear Lord, it took a long time for us to come around, but when we did, you were still right there. Lord, and I say thank you. Lord, thank you for waiting on us, and thank you for our loved ones that you're still yet waiting on. Father, I pray that you would just move Quincy to the side, dear Lord Jesus. And Father, just use your word for your glory. In your blessed name we pray. Amen. 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 God is, um, he has, um, he has blessed us beyond measure. He has blessed us beyond measure. And I, um, I think all of us have favorites. What I mean by that is I think that all of us have a movie that we have seen numerous times. For a period in our lives, my wife watched Color Purple, what it seemed like, every single day. Um, I like watching Dream Girls at least once a month. Um, when Effie White was singing to Curtis, I said, that's probably one of the best parts in the movie I'd ever seen. Um, I'm pretty sure all of us back in the day, we have seen Rocky um, numerous times. And then if it's not a favorite movie, I'm pretty sure we have a favorite song. You know, I don't know if, you know, they, when back in the day when they had the, the single, they had the, the original track, they had the clean version, the explicit version, then they had the remix, and then they had the instrumental. And you buy one CD that had four of the same song on it, and then put the CD on repeat. And then I know some of us have a favorite meal, something that we could just eat on 24-7 all day long. The funny thing about our favorites is that it, it says something about us. It, it, it says something about who we are as a person, whether it is something that we eat, something that we listen to, or something that we watch. And I'm no different. Um, I, I have a favorite as well. Um, when it comes to the Bible and... Um, as our church is moving forward and as we're going to a second service and, you know, our, our church is growing. And I know that for some people, the ones that's been around for a while, you've, you've heard this before. Um, but, you know, sometimes some gumbo is, is good when you eat it the next day. Uh, some things, you, the longer it sits, the better it gets. And... So this isn't a new passage of scripture for some of you. For some of you, it is new. Um, so if you got your Bible, turn with me to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. And I'll just be reading several verses in your hearing this morning. And when you found it, just stand with me. 1 Kings chapter 18, starting at verse number 20. First Kings 18 starting at verse number 20. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered all the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to the people and said, How long will you falter? How long will you waffle? How long will you flip-flop? How long will you be indecisive? 
between two opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. In other words, make up your mind. But the people answered him not a word. They didn't say anything back. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left of the prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls, and let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, and put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, and put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, that's the one that's really God. So the people finally answered. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. That's a good plan. Now flip on over. Um, drop down to verse number 30. And this is after, you know, the other prophets, they tried and nothing worked out. This says, then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So then all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had, become, had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seeds of water, a seed. And he put wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood and said, Fill the water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. Then he said, do it one more again. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God, of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, that this people may know that you are the Lord God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then fire fell from the Lord, and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood, and the stones, and even the dust. It licked it all up, the water and everything that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. You may be seated. I, um, This morning, as we go forward, you know, last week we started our series called Church on Purpose. And as we move forward, I, I think it's a good time for us to get a refresher of some of the things that we do and why we do what we do. And what does it mean to be a part of this particular church? Now, you got to understand something. I don't say this with any hint of arrogance or, you know, every now and then you hear people say, well, this church is the best side, this best church this side of heaven, or, you know, this preacher is the best preacher this side of heaven, or y'all don't say that about me, because I don't need the Lord to prove you wrong on my account. You know, I don't need something you got going on with God to fall on my shoulder, so please don't, don't say anything like that. And this is not a matter of arrogance, or this is not a matter of who can, or, you know, what church is better, or it is, it's, don't hear me, it's, it's not about that. Because I believe that God puts each church in each particular context to reach a certain group of people. And sometimes we get in the habit of comparing churches when that's really not God's intent in the first place. You didn't see Moses trying to build the ark and you didn't see Noah trying to cross the Red Sea. But God formed each one of them for a particular purpose and a particular um, space and time. And so I... I Get, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not saying that we as a church are better than any other church. 
But I do believe that God gives multiple churches for multiple reasons. And I do believe that no one church or no one person can reach everyone. And I know that there are some who um, say that we, you know, you gotta, there's no way in the world that we can reach everyone in Tampa. God didn't intend it like that. That's why there are so many churches. And that's why there are so many churches that have, each have their own individual or um, special niche. And some churches are known for certain things, and while others are known for, you know, other things. I know a guy, that, he told me they had church for two and a half hours, and he didn't even preach. I said, what y'all doing for two and a half hours? He said, we just praising the Lord. I said, for two and a half hours, y'all praising the Lord. That's a long time. If you want that kind of praise and worship for two and a half hours, you're at the wrong church. And I was talking to um, Dr. Lanier before he left. He said, man, I can't fathom a situation where that's even necessary. Or, you know, he said, a song that lasts 22 minutes, he said, I, I just can't see how that, he said, I can't think of anything that that's even necessary. Um, and so he wouldn't make it at a church like that. So the Lord sent him here. And as we go on forward in our church and, um, I think one of the things we first of all need to look at, because we're going to talk about what church is supposed to be and what God intends for church on a broad level of every church. But then there are certain niches that certain churches fall into. And when you look at our church, the first thing that you notice is the name Carmel Friendship. And so I said, well, why don't we take it back to where the name comes from? It's not something I just trumped up in my head. It's not something I just made up or thought and thought it would be a good idea. It comes from the Bible. And I'll tell you why it comes from the Bible, because I believe at this church, and this is my honest, sincere belief in prayer, that people who somehow knew of God would meet God here. And don't get me wrong, we don't have a pigeonhole on the Holy Spirit of God. God is at every church. God, I believe that God is in every assembled body of believers that gather together. But the goal for this church is that when you leave this church that you know God is real. And the reason that you know God is real because he has shown himself to you. In some way, some form, some fashion, God has spoken into your situation and you now know that there is a God in heaven. And I think no particular passage of Scripture does this better for me than the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. And I like this because here you have the people of God who had a history with God. I mean, it'd be different. Some, some of y'all grew up in church. Some of y'all knew better than the things you were doing in your 20s, 30s, and Lord have mercy, 40s and 50s. Some of us, Knew right from wrong. See, some folk can claim ignorance. It's one thing when you didn't know better. You know, it's one thing when you, when you don't have history with God. It's one thing when you don't know about the miracles and the workings of God. It's one thing when you have not tasted and seen and experienced God for yourself. It's one thing when God has not came when you called on him, but when he has come, when you've seen the Red Sea part, when you've walked through on dry ground, when you have seen God do miraculous and wondrous things, when you know that God kept you in particular situations, when you know that God has answered your prayer, when you know that his grace has carried us this far and hasn't dropped us off, when you know that you stand forgiven for every single act of transgression, every single sin, when you know right from wrong and choose not to do it anyway, I know that's nobody in here. I know none of us knew better and just chose not to ignore it. But the people here in the text, they have forgotten about God. And, and before we get, before, you know, I, I read the commentaries and everybody's so hard on them, but you got to understand something because when Elijah shows up, God sends him to the top of the mountain and God's telling Elijah, look, I want my people back. And I believe that the reason God, some of you, God has to be speaking to you. God has to be working in your life because why would you get up early on Super Bowl Sunday as cold as it is outside? Forgive me, brother. I know you're from New Jersey. This isn't cold to you. 
but to the rest of us that's been here for a couple of winters, as cold as it is to come and sit in a place to bring your pocketbook in your wallet to listen to some people sing songs and a guy stand up and preach or talk to you, why would you do that if God is not working in your life? Why would you do that if God has not been tugging on you? Why would you do that if the Holy Spirit has not been prompting you? Why would God initiate something with you and tell you to show up just so you can leave and do business as usual? I don't think so. My my prayer is, my belief is that you can't keep coming here and and, and keep doing the same thing. You, You... you, you can't get too close to God and, and nothing gets rearranged and your priorities don't change. and you, you can't hang around the fire and not get burned. And so God got tired of this. He said, Elijah, I want you to go get my people and bring them to Mount Carmel. And he goes, and I, I like what he did because Elijah gets straight to the point. He says, how long will y'all falter between two opinions? He said, how long will you waffle between two opinions? He said, how long will you go back and forth? And you got to realize this word where it says, how long will you falter? What that really means is that the people were going in one direction, getting a little bit from Jehovah, getting, getting, getting a little bit from the Lord, and then walking over and giving a little bit of credit with Baal. And so it gives the picture that they will go back and forth and not fully commit. It's kind of like this. Tonight, you in her bed. Tomorrow night, you in the other person's bed. You know, tonight, brother, she with you, but tomorrow night, she across town. Well, what he's saying is that spiritually, you sleeping around on me. You don't even have the audacity to cut it off completely, but you want to say that you know me. You want to say that I'm your God. You want to say that you identify with me, but every time I look out, you're hanging up over there at Bell's house. Now, what you do? You pull up your Instagram or your Facebook, and you see your, your sweet thing, your, your boo, your bae, whatever you want to call her, or him. And in their timeline, they got pictures all smooshed up with you. Y'all know how we do with them little heart eyes saying, feeling loved. And then two days later, they got pictures all smooshed up with somebody else saying, feeling loved. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. I got a five and a seven-year-old that can figure something ain't right about that situation. But it's amazing to me that us as Christians can have that same kind of attitude towards God. You know, the Bible talks about having, you know, talking about God, but not having a fear of God. See, I think we like to talk about things that are spiritual and sound deep. And so what Elijah was doing, he was calling the people. And my prayer is, is that here at this church, you make up your mind whether you are going to choose Jesus or not. Because if you're waffling, you can't hang around too long. Because either you're going to choose him or you're not. He says that, how long will you falter? And see, it's something about God because God doesn't like being number two. You know, it's something about God because God has a way of making himself known. I mean, do y'all really like being a side chick, ladies? Raise your hand. Because we won't talk to you. We won't pray for you afterwards. <laughs> brothers, brothers, do you really want somebody else dipping in your loving? Do you want to share your sweet thing with somebody else? Well, what does that look like to a God that laid down his life? shed his blood and to watch us walk out after things each and every day when he told us that he would be our provider, when he told us that he would be our keeper, when he told us that he would be our sustainer, when we prayed for the job, he gave it to us and we turned our back on him, when he opened up a door and he gave it to us and we don't even tell him thank you. What does God think about us who call on him and he answers and then we turn away? He says that, God said, y'all need to make up y'all mind. The funny thing about God is that, I, I, you, you, well, I'm Christian. What do you mean by you Christian? Well, you know, I went to church on Mother's Day 2012, and, you know, um, you know I, went, I went to church on, you know, Christmas. I was in the Christmas pageant. I was even baby Jesus, you know. Um, that don't matter nothing. That ain't got nothing to do with being a Christian. You think simply just coming to church every now and then makes you a Christian? 
Something's wrong with that. When you read the Bible, God doesn't operate like that. God is a God of relationship. God is a God of love. God is a God that requires commitment. He requires to be number one in our life above everything. He says, how long will you go between two opinions? You know how it is. He, he, I, I'm feeling blessed today and God is good today, but then, you know, next week, I ain't get the promotion. You know, or next week, I did get the promotion. I don't need God no more. You realize, and this is, this is what messes me up. Some folk fall so short of their potential because God opens up one door for you and you think you the stuff. Do you know how many more doors he has in his repertoire? Do you know how many more blessings he has stored up in heaven and you stopping at one? That don't make any sense to me. But don't worry about it. I'll go up there and get it for you. If you don't want it, I'll take it. I'll tell you right now. But he says, what y'all need to do is make up your mind who you're going to be with. See, y'all, I know, hopefully none of y'all had to have a conversation with your significant other or ex-other or whoever other and tell them, you need to make up your mind who you're going to be with. You can't hop in my bed one night and then hop in, you know, somebody else's bed the next night. And what God was saying was that he told Elijah, he said, tell the people they need to make up their mind. And you would think when Elijah shows up and they said that he wore camel hair, he had like a, 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 a camel hair coat on. I guess Peter would have been mad at him. And he ate locusts and honey and he looked all strange and funny. And when he stood up and when he called everybody, you would have thought they would have said something. But the Bible says they didn't say a word. The Bible says that they didn't know how to respond. The Bible says that as the people were sitting there on the mountain, they looking at Elijah, who was one. They're looking at all 450 prophets of Baal, and they're thinking, now, which way do I go? I know my history says that the Lord delivered us from Egypt. I know that my history says that God caused the Jericho walls to fall down. But popular opinion says serves Baal. What I've grown up in says serve Baal. Let me explain to you like this, and let me bring it to you nowadays. Some of us, we know about God. Some of us, we have experienced God. Some of us, we can testify with God. But when we look at everything else that is in our world, it is against Christianity. It is against the Bible, and it speaks opposite of what the Bible says. And they subtle with it. Let me, let me tell you, I'm, we, we watching Planet Earth. Y'all you know, know the, the, the Earth with the animals and the fish and all that stuff and, you know, the nature stuff. And he's talking about all these different fish. And then he just slid in. It's amazing to believe that all these generations and species of fish just originated from one species. I'm watching that with my kids. The Bible says God created everything. He's the one that filled the oceans with the fish. He's the one that made each and every tree and plant to bear fruit after its own kind. He's the one that made the animals each by their own species. But when you're watching TV, it slips it in through the process of evolution. And then philosophy isn't better. The way we think, let me, let me tell you, I'm sitting there watching Kung Fu Panda with my kids last weekend. Poe and them. And the Furious Five, and, and, and Master, what's his name, Chi? Shifu. Master Shifu, and them. And in Kung Fu Panda, I'm hearing terms like, the universe will let you know. You got to be guided by your Chi and your inner force. That's, that's against the Holy Spirit. That's, that's, that's against a personal God who sustains and creates everything. And see, the reason that the people were so confused is because they had grown up in a system that goes against what the Bible teaches. And so here we have our kids. Here we have some of us as adults. The reason that we have a problem with things in the Bible because we were raised contradictory. I, wouldn't, I didn't grow up in church, y'all. Y'all don't even understand. I try to rationalize all sorts of stuff from having sex before I was married to not forgiving somebody to cussing somebody out. I said, well, God, let me, because it went against how I was raised. 
It went against what I knew as a norm. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to show up, and he's going to tell me that me and Jennifer can't stay together no more. Who are you? I'm thinking, we almost married anyway. You know? Yeah, who are you? Tell me, tell me she can't, you know, that's a sin. That's, that's against the law. I'm thinking, who are you, preacher? But we live in a society that the reason many people don't respond to God is because they're confused. I mean, I, and I get that. Um, we, we look at your children's science book. Our, our, we send our young people off to college, and then some philosophy professor who tells them to think about the thought, as deep as that sounds, has our kids doubting God. Think about it now. The reason that the people couldn't answer him a word is because they were confused. The reason that God called them to the mountain is because he knew that they were confused. And the funny thing about God, instead of just leaving us afar off, he has a way of calling us back to himself and proving himself to us. See, that's what amazes me about God is that God knows how to meet us where we are and get us where we need to be. And what they did was they said, they asked, he said, let's do something that's indisputable, irrevocable, that shows that God exists. Elijah said, let's do something that's so far-fetched that it can't be explained anyway but God. Let's do something. Ask God to show himself to you in such a way that when it happens, you know God did it. And I'm crazy enough to believe him. I'm crazy enough to believe that right now, if you are one of those ones that are waffling, if you are one of those ones that are going back and forth between church and unchurched, if you're one of those that are going back and forth between Christianity and then next week you're a Buddhist and next thing you know you're in the Islam, you're with a nation, you got your bow ties selling bean pies, and then next thing you know you're with the universe and you know you're all about karma and your chi, and the next thing you know you're going to come back as a grasshopper, whatever it is, whatever it is. I say you take all them schools of thoughts, you take all them philosophies, you take all those worldviews and ways of thinking, and you say, God, show me who you really are. See, y'all don't, I believe in putting God to the test. I believe in asking God to do what he says he can do. I believe in asking God to move in such a way that when it happens, I know it's him. And what we need to do at this church, in this part of your life, what you need is God to show himself to you in such a way that you know that he's real. You need God to move in your life in such a way that he will prove himself to you. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's, it's like it started and it rolled over a little bit. And when, and, and that's why I like, because in verse number 24 it says, Elijah says, the one that answers by fire, that's the one. And the people say, okay, now that sounds good. See, there was quiet a couple of verses earlier. He said, but you know what? If God's going to prove himself to me, that sounds good. And what blows my mind about this particular story in the Bible is that God was even willing to bend to the people. Do you realize that he birthed them out of a man and a woman who were old and couldn't have children? He delivered them from slavery. He sustained them in the wilderness. He knocked down walls, kicked out other nations, and blessed them beyond measure, and then here he is having to prove his love for them all over again. Here he is having to prove himself all over again to them. And the crazy thing about it, as much as we doubt God, as much as we disbelieve him sometimes, he has a way of making himself real to us time and time and time again. When we thought we wasn't going to make it out of a situation, he showed us that he can be our provider. When we thought we wasn't going to make it, he showed us he could be our way maker. When we thought that we were lonely, he came beside us and and comforted us. When we were confused, he gave us direction. Why would a God like that every time meet us where we are? It says that God was willing to bend to his people. 
And see, this is, this is, this is, and that's why I know people don't have the Bible right. Talk about the God of the Old Testament. God, when you read the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was some of the most hard-headed folk you ever read in your Bible. One time he even called them harlots. Y'all know what a harlot is? Y'all know what y'all call them nowadays, right? I ain't going to say it because I don't want y'all to email me. You know, last time I said somebody emailed, got a couple emails, so I don't want to do that. But, but he pursued them. Do you realize that God is actively pursuing you right now? As far away as you are, doing your own thing, up in the club, showing love, say what? You know, <laughs> all the stuff that you're doing, God is saying, man, you got history. God is saying, you know better. See, I can understand the other people, but you've seen me move. I can understand if some, but you know me better than that. God is saying, haven't I proved myself to you enough? Haven't I shown you enough that I am mighty? And the crazy thing about it is that he's willing to do it again. See, what I pray happens here, what I pray, though, at least one thing that happens at this church is that God becomes real to you again. Whatever that has to take, whatever that means, whatever situation you find yourself in life, that you would know that God is real, that you are his and he is yours, that needs to happen. And so Elijah, look what Elijah did. He took some steps. The first thing he said, that he repaired the altar. Now, it's key to get this because the prophets of Baal had one altar. That's where they did their thing. But Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord. What, what, what blows my mind about that is that how long, when was the last time they used the altar? You know what an altar was? An altar was what Abraham built when he got to the promised land. He built an, offer, an altar to act, um, offer a sacrifice to God. An altar just simply means it represents a place where you meet God. The place where they go to meet God and to give to God had been torn down and dilapidated. The place where they go to meet God and to give to God had not been put to use. What I'm trying to say is that they didn't even have an altar set up to communicate with God. They didn't even have an altar set up to go meet with God. The culture had them so messed up, so far removed, that Elijah had to rebuild the altar for the people in order for them to experience God. You ought to come in some Sundays and put your altar back up. You ought to come in some Sundays and be willing to lay some stuff down to get your life right with God. You ought to come in some Sundays and and be willing to say, God, I put my life on the altar. God, I put my will on the altar. God, I put my thoughts on the altar. God, I want to do this your way. He built the altar. Because on the altar, that's where sacrifice happens. See, let me tell you something. If you're one of those ones that always want to be blessed, and you want seven ways to fix your life, you're the wrong church. You won't be back next week. If you want them ones that, you know, want to know how to get a new house, know how to get a new car and get the man or the woman of your dreams and, you know, sleep with them a couple nights, they won't be that way no more. I'm just telling the truth. The truth of the matter is, but we don't like sacrifice. We like gimme. Go get your blessing. Go get this house. Go get this. But we don't want sacrifice. We don't want to let go of nothing for God. We don't want to die to ourselves for God. And what the, the reason that we don't build up our altars, because we don't want to. Sometimes, I'm telling y'all, to really follow God, it's going to cause you to do some things you don't like to do. That's going to be a test of whether or not you're really following God. If everything you do is as soon as it gets rough, or you hear something that you don't like, and you say, that's it, I'm done, you ain't following God. you one of those ones that's faltering. This week you're on, I agree with that. I don't agree with that. That didn't speak to my situation. It didn't resonate with my spirit. Do you think it resonated with my spirit? My pastor told me that she couldn't live with me. I said, who do you think he is? Gonna tell me I can't live with my sweet thing. I'm thinking, we already pregnant. You know, we almost there. You know? I mean, we had already got some, we were, you know, we, you know, all stuff was in my apartment and everything. I'm thinking, how she got to move out now? But that decided whether or not I was going to go to the next level with God. 
And see, the reason some of us keep repeating the same course over and over is because we want to do what God has called us to do. And until we are willing to do what God has called us to do, we can, I, I can tell you right now, you can ask for me to pray for you. You can ask, I can go and get a whole thing of oil and bathe you in it. <laughs> if we are disobedient, we are locking God's hand. If we are willfully disobedient, who in the world, which one of you would give your disobedient, disrespectful child and give them more? Which one of you would give your ignorant, active employees on a job and give them more responsibility? They can't handle two emails. Now they want five? <laughs> we need to repair our altars. And see, so I'm telling you something. If you, ain't, if you don't have anything that you wouldn't have laid down for God, then he's not your God. I mean, that's point blank, plain and simple. Everybody you love, you sacrifice for. Amen? Amen. Fellas, if you love her, you'll fight a bear for her. If you don't love her, you push it outside and lock the door and let the bear gobble up. <laughs> but you know what love does. You know what it makes you do. And so Elijah had to lead them in the preparation of setting up a new altar. And my prayer is, is that when you come here, you realize there's some things you got to get right. And I don't, you know, y'all know some, I don't, I don't beat anybody up. Because I know how, look here, I know what it feel like to be wrong. I thought everybody was looking at me when I, me and Jeff were living together. And, you know, and we said we wasn't, but, you know, you, you know what happened. You know, she moved out, and then, well, well, okay. Um, I'm going to tell you something. I was sitting at Zion Baptist Church in the pulpit, and the Holy Spirit was beating the mess out of me. Reverend Lewis preached a sermon called Unhappily Ever After talking about David and Bathsheba in sin. And I'm thinking, why is he messing with me? <laughs> I'm sitting there listening to him talk, and it, was, it is eating me up on the inside. Every word he said is like it cut at me. I'm thinking, oh, Lord. I'm, I'm thinking, Lord, I promise you, I ain't going to do it no more. I said, and then, no lie, y'all, the stuff from the pulpit and the ceiling started falling at my feet. <laughs> and I tell you something. The Lord beat me so bad. And when I tell you the Lord beat me, I'm sitting up there looking. I say, okay, God, I, God, you get me out of this one. <laughs> I know we say that all the time. You know, God, I'm ready to change. You know, I said, God, you get me out of this one. When we get home, we packing her stuff up, and we're going to move out. And we're going to get married. And we're going to do this your way. And as that stuff was falling from the ceiling at my feet. The Lord said, boy, you disgracing my pulpit. And I'm sitting there looking at this stuff falling from the ceiling. And it's not anywhere else. I don't know if it was. No, it wasn't in nobody else's feet but mine, y'all. So I know I was the culprit, you know. I know I was the Jonah in that situation. I know I was the one that was disobeying God. And... Reverend Lewis up there preaching like he ain't ever preached before. I said, Lord must get him a double anointing to beat my butt. And then Brother Riley in the choir stand behind me talking about some, uh-huh, look at you. You got her pregnant now. He said, look, what you going to do? And, I mean, the Lord was hitting me from all three angles. And I said, God, I don't want your hand against me like this. There are some things we need to place on the altar in order to restore the broken fellowship that we have with God. See, you can come in and think that you can hang on to your sin as much as you want to. You can circle around seven times, say that you're blessed, and quote all sorts of scriptures. But the Bible specifically says obedience is better than sacrifice. And you can't say that God is our God if we don't obey him. He says, he repaired the altar. And I believe that some of us got some broke down, dilapidated altars that hadn't been used in a long time. Some of us know that there are some things that God has asked us to give up. And, th and this is the thing, I don't know and I don't want to know. I'm telling you right now, don't come telling me, you, uh, your sin is your business. That's when you, I'm not a priest. Don't come to my father, I have sin, look here. You and God, I'll pray for you. Don't feel like you have to tell me anything. This is not what this is for. 
Don't feel like I'm trying to guilt anybody because I, I ain't guilted anybody. That's the Holy Spirit. I know because he messed with me before I read. I, I had to deal with this stuff all week. I'm thinking, well, good Lord, what did I mess up on? You know, I'm confessing my sins all week because I realize I got my own altar I need to rebuild. I got my own sacrifices I need to lay down. There's some things in Quincy I need to let go of in order to get myself right with God. So we all in this together. From the pulpit to the parking lot, all of us need to lay something on the altar. And he did. And when he built the altar, I like what Elijah did because Elijah, if you read the story, he has a sense of humor when the other prophets, and see, and this is the thing about this, while we talk about other things, you know, some stuff just don't make sense for us to do. Some stuff you ought to look at it and just know that don't add up. I mean, if I'm one of the people out there right now, and the Bible says that the prophets of Baal were cutting themselves and dancing around. Now, just good old plain fashion common sense to tell you now something ain't right about that. Just good old-fashioned, plain, common sense. If I walk into a church and they handling snakes and drinking poison, common sense to tell you something ain't right about that. There's a lot of things that common sense to tell us, and y'all know how, oh, that's deep, that's spiritual. Well, you know, I was, I was meditating this morning, and the universe spoke to me and told me that I'm going to be a tree in my next life. No, that don't make sense. That don't, that don't, that don't, no, what kind of tree? Apple tree, orange tree, pineapple, what, what, what? A, a, a fir, a Christmas tree, what? You know, a bonsai? That don't make sense. It, it, it didn't, well, don't squash that cricket. It was my great, great, great grandmother. That doesn't make sense. And when you weigh things out, when you weigh out what the Bible says about God, when you take all those other philosophies and they say that everything evolved from a single cell organism, that don't make sense. You tell me all y'all came from some sludge or a big accident in the universe and nobody caused it. That doesn't make sense. The only planet that we know of that has life is Earth and there wasn't a, a create. That doesn't make sense. You can go, you, you know what, you're the master of your own soul. You know, when you do what's good for you, I do what's good for me. You got your truth and I got my truth. That's a lie. That don't make sense. Truth is universal. Truth is absolute. Just because you say two plus two is five, well, that's true to me. No, you're stupid. <laughs> you don't know basic arithmetic. I mean, but when you, when, you, when you break this stuff down, when you just look at the prophets of Baal, how they running around, cutting themselves, doing all this crazy stuff, and they ain't getting ahead. And then you got God the whole time just waiting in the cut, saying, pick me. You got God the whole time just saying, all you have to do is just choose me. And the funny thing about it is that we have chosen God and seen him move, and he's still waiting on us to respond. I mean, do y'all realize the kind of God that we serve, that he is patient enough to wait on us? And you would think that before the fire fell, the people would have made up their minds. I mean, the prophets of Baal were running all day. And you know what Elijah said? He said, well, maybe your God isn't listening. Maybe he took a nap. Maybe he in the restroom relieving himself. And you mean to tell me that still wasn't enough? There's some things we've seen that should have been enough for us to act right. But y'all like me, hard-headed. I know I'm hard-headed. The Lord had to take everything away. He had to put me down to my bare bottom in order for me to listen to him. And some of us, we like that. I, you know what? I get you. See, some of y'all learn by watching, uh-uh. You know, I, my brothers and sisters, they watch by, uh-uh, Quincy, uh-uh, I ain't doing that. Mama got the belt. And so they, they watched me and knew what not to do. It says that, and he repaired the altar, and when he put the water on him, what he was doing, he said, I want to make sure there's no mistake that this is God. See, this is what y'all got. You, you, you got to be bold enough to do this. If you ask from a sincere heart, say, God, if you really real, show me. If God, if you are really real, show me. And y'all got to understand something. I believe in asking God to show me. I believe in asking God for confirmation. I believe in asking God to speak to me in such a way that I know what's in. And then sometimes I get like Gideon. Now God do it the other way just to make sure. And the crazy thing is, is that he does. 
The, the crazy thing about God is that he is the creator of the universe, but yet he chooses to prove himself to us. And what kind of sense would it make to have a God like that if you are in here waffling right now and don't know which direction you want to go in? What sense does it make to have a God that wants to show you how real he is and then leave out waffling? Ah, to me, that's like saying two plus two is five. It don't add up. It doesn't add up. And at our church, here, the prayer is, when he answered by fire, that the people's hearts were turned back to God. And I can tell you something right now. There's nothing, there's nothing more satisfying to me when I hear somebody say that they got it right with God. There's nothing I can be going through hell in my personal life when I know somebody that was far off. And see, sometimes we, we criticize people. But even if it's a baby step, man, I think I'm going to stop smoking weed. Huge. 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 And I think, you know, I think we're going to, uh, man, we're going we're gonna to stop having sex and just try once a week. Huge. I know y'all laughing, but if you in it, that's Huge huge. I mean, to see people respond to God, that's the only reason I, I, I do this. That's the only reason we want to start a church. I don't care about nothing else. I mean, if y'all don't know God, if y'all just coming in and leaving the same, then we might as well fold up shop. If God isn't moving in your life, that means he's not moving in the church. And if our hearts are callous and impotent towards God and don't respond, then something's wrong. As a church, everybody ought to be drawn closer to God. And if you are not drawn closer to God, if you leave out here, you're never convicted. If you leave out here and you're always carrying the same burdens, if you leave out here and you just hadn't felt some sort of evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life and your heart is not turning back towards God, something's either wrong with you or something's wrong with me, but something is wrong because the reason God wants to show himself to you, the reason God wants to move in your life is not just to move, but to turn our hearts back to him, to realize that he gave us a house. He gave us a car. He might have given us a job and an education, but none of that stuff matters if we don't have the creator of all things. At our church, at our church, if your heart is not drawn closer to God, something's wrong. This ain't no show. Y'all know me. You talk to him long enough, you're thinking, well, what's wrong with him? No, that's just how I am. And this, this ain't no show. If your heart's not drawn close enough to God, something's wrong. And let me tell you something. Just let me just throw this in. This wasn't in, the, this wasn't in the text that we read, but when the people turned their hearts to God, God gave them a command. He said, now go kill them other prophets. See, he didn't say, I'm going to turn my heart to God but I'm going to keep this stuff with me. You know, God, God, I'm choosing you, but I'm, I'm carrying this with me. He said, go kill them. Get rid of it. And the reason some of us can't walk with God because we hold on to stuff he told us to get rid of. He said, get rid of the prophets because if you let them linger long enough, they're going to cause more problems. If you let them linger long enough, y'all know how it is. Y'all still, you, you still your ex's friend. You ain't got no business being their friend. Yeah, you, you, you got their number in your phone on speed dial just in case this one get to acting up. They're going to act up. I'm <laughs> just going to tell you, they're going to act up. But you ain't supposed to go back. If you're smart, you ain't going to go back. Hey, man, I know I ain't going back. Mess around. Y'all won't see me no more. I'll come up missing. <laughs> okay. Y'all think she's joking. I'm going to have to hear this later on. <laughs> I'm going to have to hear this later on. But... Okay, see, there you go. <laughs> she always messes with me. But get rid of it. I, and, and undoubtedly, God is speaking to somebody. Get rid of it. 
And before I close, I, I before we close, I, I, I share this story, which I had a, um, a, a guy I knew, him and I were talking when I was back in Tennessee, and he had a real serious issue um, with pornography. And what made it so bad is that him and his wife would watch it together. And he knew it was wrong, and he knew that he shouldn't do it, and, you know, um, but he would always, he said, he said, man, I, I'm done. He said, I've been, he said, Lord spoke to me, I'm done with this. But the joke, had kept the CDs and the DVDs stashed up in his, in his closet. <laughs> and so what he did was he had it stashed in his closet, <laughs> but he said he done. Elijah said, if you let them prophets hang around long enough, they're going to cause problems again. Take that stuff and burn it on the altar. And he told me, he said, man, I, he said, I threw it away. He said, I feel so free now. Elijah said, see the prophets of Baal. Don't let one of them escape. Kill all them jokers. If God has spoken to you this morning, kill it. Kill it. Don't let it hang around. Don't let it linger, because God wants your whole heart. Let us pray. Then, Father, we thank you for, um, Father, we thank you for this day. And, Lord, I, I pray, starting with me, dear Lord, turn all of our hearts back to you, dear Lord. Father, the Lord knows that um, there are so many things that we battle with, dear Lord or compete for our attention, or our commitment to you. But Father, I pray that our church, dear Lord Jesus, that we would be a representation of what happened on Mount Carmel, dear Lord. That you would call your people back to yourself, dear Lord Jesus. That you would prove yourself in a way that is, can't be argued against. That you are the true and the living God. It's in your blessing name we pray. Amen. Everybody stand with me.